This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. We all knew it was true at the time, but now we have official science that says Ohio's unemployment office was terrible during the pandemic. And that's the story we'll be talking about today on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Laura Johnston, and because it's Wednesday, our City Hall reporter, Courtney Astolfi. Lots to talk about. Let's jump in. After a hearing that lasted more than five hours, how did the vote go on a toxic site for a new jail with the steering committee that is picking the site? Courtney, Caitlin Durbin had combat duty yesterday. That's a long time to sit through any hearing. Yeah, it sounds like it was quite a meeting, and the outcome was very interesting to see the vote tally. So we we saw that this proposal to recommend the transport road site south of downtown Cleveland as the preferred jail site, you know, resoundingly defeated among the 12-member steering committee. Six folks voted against it, five voted for it, and the representative for Cleveland Mayor Justin Bibb did not did not vote, but it needed 10 votes to pass and didn't, did not get even close. Well, what, what, what I was a little bit distressed by is all of the negative votes were people that have courthouse offices and they're upset because the county's left no money to update the courthouse, which is in desperate need of it. So I wasn't, it, it, it looked more to me like the vote was about personal interest rather than the prisoners that would be sleeping on top of benzene. The most shocking vote to me was the guy you covered, Council President Blaine Griffin is okay putting all those inmates on top of a toxic site. I just, I didn't think he would do that. I thought he'd want to say there's other options here. And there are other options. I was talking to somebody yesterday that's not ready to come out, but there's a really decent option not far from the center of downtown. So there's things that they could do. But the fact that five people voted for this was was very telling. Yeah. And, and kind of what struck me, I mean, you were talking about all the folks who voted against it, whose own personal offices haven't yet been addressed because they're part of the courthouse. You, you know, um, it did not seem like they really gave concrete reasons on either side. The folks who voted for and against didn't really detail the reasoning behind their votes. I mean, you can assume it's wrapped up in this whole this whole chatter about the environmental concerns, but it, it does not seem like we got the reasoning there. So, so I'm kind of curious about that. I'm I'm also kind of curious, you know, like you said, the the city council president went for it, but why did the mayors vote? Why did they abstain? That that's kind of a question mark for me. But you know, all of this being said, is the steering committee really does not have the final call here. The agreement to stand up the steering committee kept the final decision-making power in the hands of county council. And they're expected to vote in in late October about whether to buy that site anyways and extend the quarter percent sales tax indefinitely to pay for these projects. Um, There is a caveat here. So let's say council 
does move ahead with this site um, against the steering committee's wishes. The way that the the timing of the contract would come out, according to the county's real estate consultant, is is the county would still have 90 days to back out of the deal. And that puts the final decision well into January, which means, you know, a new executive will get in and and probably quash it because we know what their positions are, Weingarten, Ronane. So that time delay is interesting to see how that'll play out. Uh, Although what threw me about that is that, so so the council say they vote to buy this, this site going against all logic and reason. If, if Budish immediately then went to close on it because they've been doing the due diligence all year, how do you back out of that? I mean, if I, if I close on a house and transfer the money, I, I don't get to pull it back. I guess the way the contract is written, it allows it The, the, the smart move they're going to vote on this literally days before the election, right? It would be late October. The election's November 8th. Why not wait to see who the new county executive is and talk to that guy before you vote? I mean, it's so close at that point. What's the, why, why move forward? You know, uh, we have to leave that to, to county council. There's, there's still a need to figure out what we're doing with the jail. But if, if the next executive undoes it, I don't, I don't know how it moves forward or, or what the point is. Okay. It's today in Ohio. The hearing on the jail included a long discussion about whether the existing jail can be renovated based on a new report from a consultant. We'll have a story that goes into a lot more detail about that discussion later today, but we did publish a story about what the report said. And Lisa, before we start, I got a lot of confusion from readers yesterday that did not understand the way the Justice Center is set up. So the Justice Center has the courthouse tower, and then it has two four-story jail buildings, one built more than 50 years ago and one built in the mid-90s. And so that that's the discussion is about those two jail buildings and what the report said. Yeah, this report is from DLZ Architecture, and they released a redacted version of that 200-page report to Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer earlier this week. So the upshot is, is that the existing jail could be renovated, but will require extensive work and many compromises will have to be made. So they pretty much concluded that it's really not practical to renovate the jail facilities. They say that replacement is the most reasonable solution. Also, they said it helps the county move from a custody and control model to care and custody model. Because as we've talked about, you know, many of the the problems with the jail are cramped spaces, lack of natural light and all that kind of thing. Now, DLZ was hired by Prosecutor Mike O'Malley and Administrative Common Pleas Judge Brendan Sheehan back in July. The full report will be presented at the Tuesday meeting of the Justice Center Steering Committee, of which O'Malley and Sheehan are part. And then the County Council gets a look at it on October 11th. Um, It's interesting because O'Malley did hire them, but he said DLZ told him that their hands were tied by the study parameters that were so narrow that it didn't allow any other conclusion but a new jail. But the DLZ report stated that they weren't influenced or directed by anyone, you know, or anything to reach their conclusions. And of course, jail planning consultant Jeff Applebaum says, we told you so. That what I'm a little bit distressed by, and this arises as at, from an idea by Lee Weingart, is they really haven't looked closely, at least not for a few years, 
at whether one of the two jail buildings, the newer one, could be used in some way, shape, or form. And it's not ideal. It's four stories, and modern jails should be one or two stories. It allows for a much better administration, and it saves you money on hiring guards. But if you could save a quarter of a billion dollars by using that old building, you'd want to try. And we really don't have an idea of what the cost would be to do that. Obviously, the cells are too small by modern standards. They'd have to knock walls down to do it, but they own the site. It's a secure site. And when I was in Florida, what they did, they had a high security jail on their jail campus. And then they had a bunch of very low security jails. One was for people on drug and alcohol treatment. Another was one for job training. If you were in the jail long enough, they would try and give you a skill so you did a job and you wouldn't be a recidivism statistic. So if you could make that jail work as the high security lockup, the, the jail you'd have to build, one, would be smaller than is anticipated and would be cheap because you don't have to put in the stainless steel sinks and the stainless steel toilets and all of the extra expensive stuff that goes into a secure facility. And, and it's an inducement, right? Because if you're in jail, you want to be in the nice place with the windows and all that stuff. You don't want to be in the high security jail. So it also helps corral behavior. But we just don't know. I mean, Courtney, you and I were talking yesterday and there was a point in which they looked at this in whatever it was, 2019. But I, I just don't get the feeling that they looked and said, you know, what if we kept this as high security jail, tore down jail one and put the central booking facility where that is, and then built the second jail off site somewhere where it would be more for treatment and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, they did. They did explore that option as part of the steering committee process. It, um you know, it sounds like they could take another look like they did with the renovation, but I assume it would yeah, but hit the same conclusion. You know, this list, the, the, there was a litany of ills. And of course, the list didn't delineate between the two jail buildings. So I have right. no idea what is where. But they found that the kitchen has poor drainage. There's zero storage throughout the jail for inmate stuff, you know, that they that's taken from them when they're, you know, put in jail. Staff lockers are in poor condition. There, there are no toilets and sinks working there. And they also found that, you know, staff was using the locker room as a break room because their break room was so small, dark, and inaccessible. You have plumbing and, ex and electrical stuff that's really inaccessible, you know, to, to fix. The exterior facade is crumbling. Inmate showers are not ADA compliant. I mean, it's just a litany of ills. I just don't know but, how you can fix it. But Lisa, that. they did ask, did you, did you separate this out? Because the jail too is only 28 years old. I mean, a 28 year old institutional building, and we're going to, we're going to get rid of it. All of the stuff you're talking about, the kitchen and the lockers and the break room, if you built that facility on the site of jail one, you could have all that stuff and use jail two just as a place where the cells are. The kitchen could be in this new facility. It, it, look, it's, it's a Lee Weingart idea. It's worth asking the questions about. It might be that it would be prohibitively expensive to do anything with jail to to get it into compliance that because the cells are small and you'd have to knock all the walls down that you're just getting into a, a price range that it's cheaper to build new just be nice to know you know it's one of those things that we've spent everybody keeps saying we've studied this and studied this and studied this but we didn't study that and and if you could save taxpayers a lot of money while building a humane facility it, it might be worth 
talking about. Uh, again, Caitlin will have a story today about a lot of the discussion that took place yesterday about that report. Uh, it sounds like the, the consultant had more to say than was in the document. So we'll be talking about it again tomorrow. It's today in Ohio. Some pretty huge political news dropped late in the day Tuesday from Akron Mayor Dan Horgan. Laura, you grew up in Summit County, so it's a little bit more close to your heart. What was the news? Right. But when I grew up, Dan Horgan was not mayor. He's the one who took over after the long-term mayor, Don Plasquelic, had been serving for almost 30 years. So Dan Horgan is stepping down after two terms of mayor. This won't happen until the end of 2023. There's already been a bunch of people that have thrown their hat in the ring to run uh, next year, and I'm sure a lot more will be doing so. He didn't elaborate on what led to his decision. He didn't take any questions last night. The press release came right at like 5.01 p.m. He said, my reasons are my own and they are without regret. It is the honor of my professional lifetime to serve as Akron's 62nd mayor. Before that, he was a social studies teacher at St. V. He was a city council member for years and the Summit County Clerk of Courts. So spent a long, long time in public service and really aimed to make Akron, to grow Akron's population and make it a livable city with a good quality of life. So Lisa, you've been in journalism as long as I have. And so you pay attention to the words that people use. Did it strike you as odd when he said very specifically in his statement, my reasons are my own? Yes. And usually the standard line is, you know, they either want to spend more time with family, time with family. <laughs> you know, or they just want to, you know, to kind of take it easy and, and step away from public life. So, yeah, this is it's kind of a cipher what he said. I don't know what that means. I, I hope he elaborates. Yeah, I mean, I worried when I read it, like, is he sick? Has he had a diagnosis? Or is this about the, the rough road that he had? I mean, he largely, I think, was got good grades for the mm -hmm. way he dealt mm -hmm. with the police shooting. I mean, they had some, they had, they tripped a little bit, but, but compared to a lot of mayors in America, they did things pretty transparently and, and tried to keep the lid on without being overbearing. Maybe that's it, but I just, my reasons are my own. Just, it's a slap. Like, what does that mean? I mean, maybe he's just reached, like, he's ready to retire. I mean, he's he's had a long time of public service, and he, he was reelected three years ago with, like, 77% of the vote or something. So he's been fairly popular. Voters have supported um, the income tax plan that he put in in 2017. He's had a whole bunch of initiatives that, for the most part, have gone over well. I haven't seen any, you know, huge opposition to him. No. I, and he was, he was a pleasure to deal with compared to some elected officials. When you would talk to him, he was very open. He, he talked about his philosophies and maybe he gets it that if you can't get what you want to get done in eight years, it's time to give it up and let somebody else try. We've had two longer running mayors in Cleveland and Mike White with 12 years and Frank Jackson with 16 that I think many people would say they both should have ended it at eight. And maybe Horrigan just has that wisdom. I wish he'd explain that line though, because I think people who support him are going to worry. Did you get some kind of bad doctor's diagnosis or something? What is it that caused you? My reasons are my own. You're the mayor. Nothing's your own. You're a public figure. <laughs> I mean, I, I would assume that at some point he will explain more. And besides, we don't know that this is the end of his career. Maybe he's going to run for something bigger. Maybe. It's today in Ohio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it 
a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In news that should shock no one, Ohio was near the bottom of the pile in a rating of how states handled unemployment benefits during the pandemic. Courtney, how bad were we? Yeah, like almost the worst. We were the third <laughs> worst in the in the nation. Um, and, 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 you know, the U.S. Department of Labor's Inspector General did this analysis to see how quickly unemployment benefits were getting out of the door during the pandemic uh, among the different states. And, and you know, it set standards about how quickly the, those benefits should go out. And basically, its conclusion was that only 43% of Ohioans, about 350,000 of 820,000 who filed claims for, you know, normal traditional unemployment benefits between April 2020 and March 2021, then only 43% began receiving them within the first three weeks of their eligibility. Um, We only performed better than Florida and Hawaii and Minnesota and Illinois were among the best in the nation for, for how swift this went out the door. Yeah, and this this was about being humane. The the pandemic cost people jobs left and right, and we kept hearing from people their agony. Not, not only could they not get the benefits, they couldn't even get a response from the state. And how many days during Wine with the Wine did John Houston get up and say, "Yeah, we're working on it. We know it's a problem. I promise we're going to fix it." They never really fixed it, and he just stopped appearing at Wine with the Wine. Uh, it's it's not a surprise to hear that we were terrible. It is sad that in a service that was so desperately needed, we dropped the ball. And we've talked about this. You would think that would work against Mike DeWine and his reelection campaign, but Nan Willie has not been making much about it. And and just to go back and recap what all those issues were under DeWine during the pandemic, you know, think about all the calls and long wait times and, and delays. Oh, the Department of Job and Family Services was handling not just regular unemployment benefits, but special pandemic benefits from the federal government as well. We know it's been riddled with fraud. And, you know, back in, in May 2020, then director of the department said that, you know, a lot of the problems here fell to this really old computer system. So, I mean, looking forward, it's it's not going to be as big of a need as that big deluge uh, coming from the mandatory business shutdown to the beginning of the pandemic. But looking forward on how the system's going to serve Ohioans, this new computer system project, it was supposed to be replaced by 2023. That's on hold because a whole other scandal involved with the software company. And in the meantime, at least the U.S. Labor Department's giving Ohio recommendations on how to improve the system. They're going to help Ohio work to recover money from the fraudsters as best as they can. But it, it, who, who knows where we go going forward here, how, how we get improvements in place. Yeah, it would have been nice to be at the top of those rankings, not at the bottom. It's Today in Ohio. All right, Lisa, is it because the survey respondents are all stoned and feeling no pain? What's the finding from a new Ohio State University study on the satisfaction with Ohio's medical marijuana program 
up to now, it hasn't been good. Yeah, this is the fourth annual report from the Ohio Medical Marijuana Control Program at Ohio State University. They uh, had an online survey of 2,500 people back in April and May. Things have improved with this report. 56.1% of those surveyed said that they were extremely or somewhat satisfied with the medical marijuana program. 35.5% were extremely or somewhat dissatisfied, but that's down 20 points from 2021. Um, The satisfaction is mostly due to lowering prices, although some people say they're not low enough. Um, Also increased convenience because some of these dispensaries have curbside service, there are remote doctor appointments, and they're more familiar with the program so they can navigate it better. But prices continue to stay high, although if you compare them to different states, it's kind of a wash. A gram of marijuana in Ohio is eight ninety nine, and that was down from ten eighty five last year, and down from seventeen dollars a gram back in twenty nineteen when the program began. Now in Michigan, it's cheaper; it's three ninety one a gram, but it's higher in Pennsylvania. It's eleven sixty nine a gram there. So, executive director of the Ohio Medical Cannabis Industry Association, Matt Close, says pricing should continue to come down because seventy plus new dispensaries will be opening across the state this year. And he says it's really not fair to compare us to Michigan as far as prices go because their medical program is much older than ours and they also have recreational marijuana in Michigan. Yeah, I don't understand why people in Ohio wouldn't just drive to Michigan at this point because it is so much cheaper there. And they have unlimited licenses, so it just keeps dropping. Uh, When you drive through Michigan, every other billboard is for marijuana. You wonder how many people from Ohio are actually doing that. We looked early on at how many license plates from Ohio were in the shops and there were a bunch, but now that it's ingrained, you just wonder if the turnpike from Cleveland to Michigan marijuana is very, very popular route. But, for, uh, but it might be a wash trip. because I'll tell you the get go right around the corner for me, gas is up to $4 again. So... <laughs> Do you pay more yeah, for gas true. to get your marijuana or do you just pay a bigger price here in the state? Yeah, it's true. You are using a tank of gas to go back and forth or at least a half a tank. Anyway, it's interesting to see that people are are happier about it. And I expect next year we'll be talking about uh, un- unlimited use of marijuana in Ohio. That's supposed to head to the ballot. It's today in Ohio. Laura, are they going to eventually th- treat the East Cleveland police department like a racketeering case? I mean, with the number of people that are have been indicted on that department, can you argue that it's it, that it really is a racketeering organization just built around corruption? What's That's the a latest? really good point. Because we're looking at nine cops indicted out of 45 on the total force. So a fifth of them are are under indictment and and, and the list of, of wrongdoing is just keeps growing. So uh, four indictments came down yesterday. Corey Schaefer, Schaefer wrote about these. They're accused of beating two people following separate car chases, lying about it in official reports, and smashing the cell phone of both men, I believe. Two of these officers had already been indicted on other crimes, and then two more is new. Uh, Brian Stoll, Tyler Mudson, Kyle Wood, and Daniel Toomer. And the stories laid out in these narratives are really scary. And they remind you back to the East Cleveland police chase project we did, why people run from these cops in the first place. So in the first case, um, these officers were chasing someone after 
they tried to stop a car for driving without lights. They they reported that the driver hit the front of their cruiser, but body cam actually shows the officer rammed the driver's car. The driver put both hands out of his window, complied with the officer's commands. They yank him from the car, punch him, need him in the chest while they handcuffed him. And then they told dispatchers they resisted arrest. And then they smashed his cell phone. But of course, in the police report, it, it says that the, the victim of this is the aggressor. And the guy ended up spending... More than two weeks in jail on a $40,000 bond. It was lowered. He legal, And he leader, later pleaded guilty to some misdemeanor counts. You figure, like, I mean, the whole thing is just created to victimize someone. Well, that's just the, the first one. I'll go into the second one later if you want. But, but here's the problem, though. It, with nine of the officers now indicted, and the, and the FBI has taken the extremely unusual move of saying, okay, we want to hear if you've been mistreated by East Cleveland mm-hmm. police. There's a like, hotline. The, because it's so riddled with corruption, we believe it's widespread, so let us know. So if, for the police on that force that are not under indictment, at least not yet, there's no way they didn't know about this. You can't have nine cops going this rogue, including the chief, by the way, mm-hmm. and people not be aware. And they're law enforcement officers. I mean, if you're a law enforcement officer and you know that the other guys on the force are doing this, it's your duty to do something about it. I, th- this thing has just got to get shut down. They, 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 they can't continue. They have the power to lock you up. So if you're driving through East Cleveland, you're vulnerable to abuse by people that have the power of the badge. Absolutely. And there's not much you can do about it, right? Like one of the guys in a separate case actually called the police, the Cleveland called 911 from the back of the cop car saying he was injured because of these officers. The EMS from Cleveland responded and the East Cleveland police sent them away be saying, we don't need you. But then because there was a crash, the Cleveland police came back and then they called their EMS again. And the guy ended up in an ambulance and went to the hospital. So yet you have no recourse because they are the police, which is incredibly scary. You could end up suing later, but as we've documented, nobody will take your case because the city is broke. They can't pay out the judgments they have. And so, yeah, it's like, where is the recourse for these poor people or the citizens even? It is just... Well, the recourse is they're going to have a recall election on their mayor and for Mm -hmm. no other reason. They should recall the mayor. The mayor cannot control the police department. The council doesn't have the power to. So they've got to do something. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that the FBI is looking into it. You you have to believe this might not be the last indictment that comes out of it. And they are are really investigating after years of this happening. And can I chip in on something just just to note? The, the one gentleman who was the beating victim here, his charges were later dropped, but he spent two months in the county jail after he was accused with things r- related to this this incident. And um, those are the kind of folks who have to stay in our county jail sometimes, too. We're, yeah, I know. And as we discussed earlier in the week, eating food that's not edible, we, we're looking at what it whether the state has any power to decertify a police department, because that may be the only answer and have the sheriff take over. This department has got to go. Nobody can argue that it should remain in existence at this point. It's today in Ohio. Why are car dealers having one of the worst years they've ever experienced in 2022? Courtney, it's just not going well. 
Yeah, the economy's coming in for everything, right? It's touching every part of our economy, and it seems like those forces are, are definitely hitting the northern Ohio car market. So, um, you know, reporter Sean McDonald found that, you know, this year dealerships in northern Ohio sold about 150,000 new vehicles. You know, compare that to 2021 when there were 190,000, the year before 175,000. And, and and definitely lower this year than in the years preceding the pandemic. So, you know, Sean talked to the president of the Automo- Automobile Dealers Association, Louis Vintonio, and he basically said that, you know, we know that there have been inventory problems with cars. He said those conditions are starting to improve, but used car values are, are weakening. Um, meanwhile, people still want to trade in cars, and, and that can make new vehicle purchase is still a viable option. But but I think the key here, Vintonio points to interest rates. I mean, people are just being hit hard by the costs of, of going to buy a car now. For the longest time, there was no supply. People couldn't get the car they wanted and they were being told you can put an order in. But that but that's not the problem now. now. You're saying that the problem now is really it's the economy. People can't afford it. That's what it, it sure seems like. All right. It's today in Ohio. How will Case Western Reserve University attack a study for the National Institutes of Health aimed at new treatments for high blood pressure, heart failure, and other disorders? Lisa, it's more of our science story coverage in this podcast. Seems like our health centers are constantly on the cutting edge. Really? They really are. And this grant, it's a $15.7 million grant from the National Institutes of Health to Case Western Reserve University and Duke University for a three-year research project. So they're going to be using a new imaging tool called the 3D Muse, which basically slices up the vagus nerve and collects microscopic images in real time as it's being slice. So the vagus nerve is a nerve that connects most of the body's organs to the brain. There are about 100,000 fibers in the vagus nerve and they'll be mapped to target to the, their target organs. And Andrew Schofstall, who's the assistant biomedical engineering professor at Case, says, as we understand the vagus nerve, we can design therapies and devices for things like hypertension, uh, heart failure, and GI disorders, other chronic conditions. But stimulating the vagus nerve with electricity is a, is a pretty well-established treatment. They've been used it to treat uh, rheumatoid arthritis, epilepsy, and heart failure. They'll be using vagus nerves from cadavers and cases anatomical gift program. It's just odd that, that the same treatment you would use to reduce your blood pressure, you would use it for stomach disorders. It just wouldn't, it doesn't seem like that you could attack those two very different conditions with the same technology, but that's the goal. Right. And this is the, the, you know, each of these fibers attaches to a different organ. So once they figure out which goes where, then they can really start to design therapies. Interesting one. We'll have to see if that develops. It's today in Ohio. That's it for a Wednesday. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Courtney. And thanks to everybody who listens to the podcast. 